0: Hey everybody and welcome to episode 81 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan, my name is Brandon. On this episode I'm joined by one of my favorite guests, music journalist extraordinaire Mr. Richard S. He. The two of us give our top five favorite Metallica acoustic performances. We also talk a lot more about some of the recent Blacklist covers that have been released. And, well, just a whole bunch of other nonsense mixed in. This was a lot of fun to do, as it always is with Richard, so let's jump right into it. Here is our conversation where we give our top five favorite Metallica acoustic performances. My guest today needs no introduction if you are a long-time listener to this here podcast. He is a music journalist, musician, producer, and just the biggest fucking, I'm dropping an F-bomb right off the bat, St. Anger fan in the world. Now, you might be wondering right now, why am I introducing him if he needs no introduction? Because... I need to welcome him to the Metallica podcast, brought to you by Metallica and Amazon. Richard, as he, welcome to the Metallica podcast. How are you, sir? Oh, what? I I, uh, I sold I sold my soul to Amazon and Metallica, and I've rebranded. I am now the Metallica podcast. I already had it as my tagline. Now I am the <laughs> official Metallica podcast.
1: Hello uh who who else will be joining us today
0: oh no big deal just james Hatfield, lars Ulrich, Kirk kirkham and robert Trujillo. oh and who's that jason newsett because we're gonna be talking all about the black album today oh what Ooh. is that bob rock in the corner over there bob rock will be joining us as well
1: <laughs> congrats on yeah congrats on getting those uh streamers up
0: <laughs> i'm not going to lie uh when i I was pleasantly surprised by the news announcement. Very excited. I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating uh, what they put out there because I think everything they do is of the highest quality. I think as a mm-hmm. nerd, it's going to be must listen. Um, and uh, but it's funny, like the the reactions that I saw, like all the various Metallica <laughs> podcasts getting like like, and, you know, in their and in it's you know so the listeners out of the various podcasts are very passionate but it's like oh you you you're no match for metal up your podcast hey why didn't you call it metallicast that's the gist of what i got from reading people's comments is that everybody is saying you have to live off to metal up your podcast and nobody knows metallicast exists cuz everybody was telling them <laughs> to name it metallicast <laughs> oh, no, yeah. It,
1: pro- it proves that you picked the correct name, I think. <laughs> like, possibly you may have taken the name that Metallica might have wanted.
0: My, my, f- I, I hope so. And I'm waiting for their lawyers to reach out any minute and offer me a paycheck. I will, I will sell it in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Take the Yeah. Fuck it all
1: and no regrets.
0: <laughs> I, my favorite comment was the person who wrote, uh, you should call it Metallicast and Podcast for All. And I was like, those two podcasts already (laughs) (laughs) exist. Telecast up your (laughs) ass and
1: podcast for all to speak and destroy.
0: (laughs) It was very funny, very amusing. I do appreciate the listeners out there who did write back to people saying, It's a Mm. podcast already. Thank you. But I found it all very amusing. And it was a great way to get social media numbers up, to get my stream numbers up. And uh, let's just say... Metallica's was on a lot of charts last week. Pat on my back for doing absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. We
1: better better deliver tonight. Hey.
0: Oh, we better deliver because they were if anybody stayed with me for the last episode, they were massively disappointed (laughs) by Mike. So, (laughs) Richard, no pressure. It was fun, but
1: grand total of like three minutes on Metallica (laughs) and about two on Iron (laughs) Maiden. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that was uh, the gist of it. And, uh, you know, it, and he took some swings at Australians, which I did mm. not appreciate. And I, uh, <laughs> I try to defend you and all of Australia and I, and I'm sorry if I failed you.
1: I think his accent started out awful and got better.
0: It did. He, but there was yeah. a little bit of a Beatles in it, in, in my opinion, mm. like a, a little, he went a little too Liverpool at times.
1: That's just wishful thinking, I guess. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Well, today, Richard, s he, the one, the only, is joining Metallicast, not the Metallica podcast, but the Metallica podcast, he is joining us yet again for another exciting episode that I'm sure will be of the utmost excellence, not because of me, because of him, and I'm sure, of you. oh, please, and I'm sure, uh, you know. I always plan on each episode is going to be like, all right, we'll do an hour. Yeah, I already know with Richard, it's going to be if we if we can keep it ninety minutes, that will be a miracle, because we 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 go off on tangents, we we talk and talk and talk, especially when there's a list involved. And ladies and gentlemen, Ooh. there is a list involved in this here podcast. So. I mean, should we jump right into it? Do we have any Metallica news to get out of the way or any comments or thoughts that are filtering, bubbling to the surface in our heads after all this time away?
1: (laughs) We we have blacklist covers that you haven't talked about and some of which I haven't listened to, even though I have to professionally for... I I am ranking all of them for a publication that will not be named yet.
0: yes. And I'm super excited for that. And in my absence, I'm hoping to have you record a Blacklist episode as sort of a companion Absolutely. or follow up to your article. It is in the works. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So should we talk a little bit about the Blacklist covers that have seen the light of day so far? There's, I mean, the majority of them are unreleased, but we've gotten mm. uh, uh, a uh a handful out there um we don't need to do them track by track by track but uh are there any that stand out to you uh, for good or bad reasons
1: um obviously the first bunch were like awesome just the miley cover nothing else matters st Vincent, sad but true um some that jumped out to me later on were biffy Clyro doing holier than thou yeah kind of more melodic version, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. Um I liked the J. Balvin "Wherever I May Rome, which I know you weren't a fan of. Um so that was that was I, more of a reggaeton like remix than a cover, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was not too fond of that. Not because I'm not not that I'm a I mean I'm not a big fan of that genre, but mm-hmm. I I'm really interested in hearing these covers in different styles. Uh, I'd mm. rather listen to that. I'd rather listen to like a straight up reggaeton version of a Metallica song than somebody doing note for note cover just because yeah. that to me is more interesting. Uh, but what I did not like about that particular cover was I feel like it relied too much on the original recording where, yeah. and it had like that weird bridge where it was literally just like the cd playing <laughs> yeah that that did not work for me that part. <laughs> i i do think you know the the way the beat uh connected with the riff i thought that part was creative i just did not think it really went any it, it, it did nothing for me beyond that it was just sort of there then when that bridge came on i was like i, I mean i can just put on the black album myself <laughs> mm,
1: yeah did you um did you enjoy the uh the I think it was the Hindi one by I'm reading Vishal Dadlani Divine Shore Police the Unforgiven?
0: That one was cool. Yeah, yeah, that that I see I like something like that that is it it takes what Metallica did and it honors it and but it brings it in a new direction and does something new with it mm-hmm. and and the artists brought their own flavor too so and i like i said even if it's not something i personally would listen to normally i'd rather listen to that than a note for note recreation even um like we look at some of the more straightforward covers like i like uh the two that come to mind right now are inter salmon by weezer and Mm. don't turn on me by volbeat and I disliked the Weezer cover. I and I say that as somebody who likes Weezer. I I, I like a good chunk of Weezer. I think they're a very hit or miss band, um, especially in recent years. But their cover did absolutely nothing for me because it was a note for note recreation. The only creative part to it was they did a cool like guitar harmony, uh, guitar melody, like leading in. I think if it was, if I'm not mistaken, it, it's leading into like the bridge of the song and that to me i was like oh that's like a weezer guitar lick i want more of that i want it to sound like weezer and to me it sounded like weezer doing metallica by numbers
1: yeah i think they have like a cloned version of themselves where that like just plays covers note for (laughs) note (laughs) they did um i think it was called the teal album a couple years ago which was all covers and that was like not not awful but nowhere near good enough to warrant its own
0: existence but. yeah right yeah yeah and it, whereas i felt like the don't run on me cover by volbeat it's a pretty straightforward cover pretty identical in a lot of ways but they do a lot of subtle changes and they give that little gallop to make it feel like it's a volbeat song um mm. and, and they they're able to uh, kind of take a note for no cover in their own style, and it sounds like Volbeat. Whereas to me, like, if I just had heard uh, that inter cover not knowing it was Weezer, I'm not even sure I would have guessed it was Weezer. I would have been like, is exactly. this, like, a... I'm like, oh, that's a very impressive bar band. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think so far the hit rate has been really good. Like, yeah, it's funny because you listen to those, like, all-metal cover albums and tribute albums and stuff yeah and generally they always feel like note-for-note covers like where the only difference is the guitar tone or the recording quality or getting growls instead of you know clean vocals yeah here um i appreciate the variety a lot more which is yeah funny because the whole blacklist project it's like you know here is metallica's influence on all these generations of musicians in different styles including metal, but not just limited to metal. Right. So, I mean, that reflects the album perfectly, I think.
0: Yeah, I was actually thinking of that today because they just, at at the time we're recording this, they just released the Phoebe Bridgers version of Nothing Else Matters Mm -hmm. earlier today. So if you have, I'm sure it's out there on YouTube. I'm not sure. I have have it through Apple Music. It's got to be out there on Spotify. So if you have a streaming service... You should be able to find it along with all the other versions that we've mentioned and not mentioned that have been released so far. But um, it it got me thinking about how, you know, that I played that version and then immediately after the Miley Cyrus version came on and I'm thinking about who's on that track, like Elton John, Yo-Yo Ma, Chad Smith. And it's just like, it, it really puts into focus one how huge that album is yeah and two how much metallica has transcended heavy metal because you you know i mentioned Volbeat before they're, they're an obvious choice for a metallica cover album uh yeah. cory taylor is on he's an obvious choice um you know anybody in the metal rock realm is an obvious choice but when you bring in hip-hop artists Latino artists, um, Indian artists, uh, when you bring in uh, country artists, um, all these different styles of music, it really puts into perspective the importance of both Metallica as a unit, as a brand, and the importance of the Black Album, period. You know, just in, in terms of its influence and pop culture relevance,
1: I think, yeah, I love that Metallica can still throw like curveballs at us like this, um even though they technically are not doing anything on this release, like they don't need to, you know,
0: yeah, 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 and and that's not the point, right, for them to really yeah. contribute to it because you can have the black album for all that, you know. So it's, yeah. in in the deluxe version, I mean, you, we're getting live versions, we're getting demo versions, you're getting all the typical stuff that we've gotten from the other remasters, and all that stuff's going to be great to dive into and, you know, to hear an instrumental version of a song in the early stages of the songwriting or to hear. I always love it when you get the demos and have it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Yeah yeah you know. Um
1: <laughs> when when the vocal melody is like one note off. <laughs> well. Like in Master <laughs> Puppets the demo, it's like end of passion play crumbling away.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Total mind Um but it it and, it and I think it really shows to the just the strength of the songwriting, like a good song Mm. can be translated into different styles of music. And I mean, when you look at nothing else matters alone, the blacklist has like, you know,
1: 12, I think
0: 12 versions of that. And there's so many versions that have come before the blacklist from classical artists, from Mm. folk artists, from, you know, country artists, from so many different walks of life that it, it, it's truly astonishing. Um, and, and, and there's just no other, there's just no other metal band mm. you could do this with. Um, you know, you could, I'm not saying like you could never do a country version of a mega death. So I'm not saying, uh, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, they've been sampled and used in hip hop music. And I'm not saying then other artists are, it's impossible to do it with, but you're never going to get a project of this size with an album mm. of this importance to so many people and have so many A-listers attached. Like I don't think you're going to get a, um, and this is not a mega death knock, but you're not going to get a Tutlamone cover with, you know, Alton John on piano and Yo-Yo Ma on cello. It's just not going to happen.
1: We can dream. <laughs> I
0: mean, <laughs> I trust me. If if they want to come out with it, I will gladly listen to it. But mm. I, I think Yo-Yo Ma and Elton John should do a full metal tour, and they just cover Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, oh, yeah, all yeah. the big four. Maybe sprinkle in some Testament and Exodus. And <laughs> I just thought of something really funny. Like,
1: imagine if you know I'm sitting there on midnight at midnight on the Friday that the entire blacklist comes out, <clears throat> and I'm the first person to put together. Um, a Spotify playlist of every song, but then I put in "Mechanics" by Megadeth in the playlist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just like every ten songs, slip it in. Yeah, but like, yeah. oh, this never this, heard this cover before. Yeah, this is a great version of the Four Horsemen. Did they change the lyrics? Oh, was wait, is this about a horny gas station attendant? Huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I'm a word hey, uh,
1: hey, Brandon, what's the newest uh, Megadeth album called?
0: Oh, welcome to the new Megadeth album The sick, the dying, and the dead Oh, yeah Oh, <laughs> <laughs> There, I did hear um, there was a very small sample of a new Megadeth riff from the album that I'm not sure if it was released like through one of those Dave Mustaine cameo videos, which I, I mean, so. yeah, I mean, he's just been dropping like little nuggets like I've never seen a to his credit. I don't think I've ever seen somebody make so many uh, blabbermouth headlines just from cameo <laughs> videos people paid for.
1: He's um, very funny. He's paying like their wages too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but he, uh, there was like a small sample of a riff, obviously not enough to judge on, especially when we're talking about a whole full length album. But I got to say that the the part of the riff I heard sounded great. It sounded fast, sounded heavy, sounded like it had a lot of energy behind it. So I'm staying optimistic. I think Megadeth is destined for a great album in the 2000s. I know other people will say they've already had great albums in the 2000s. Not in my opinion. I've been through this before. Since the system has failed, the albums Mm. have just been a, uh, a little bit Megadeth by numbers, a little bit generic, a little just I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're you know there's no great songs or good songs i'm just saying as albums they just have not been living up to what came before and i think a lot of that has to do with the uh with doing quantity over quality where there's a period feel like every like two years you're getting a new megadeth album and then a tour and then a megadeth album then a tour then a best of album and a live album and then an, and then another new studio album and then a tour and it's just like all right take a break like take take a few years dave mm. and just write like a killer album and it's been a few years since dystopia and uh i i'm i really like uh the new guitarist i think he was the highlight of dystopia i was not thrilled about that album but i thought the solos and the tone uh was like more reminiscent of marty freeman who i think was who I think many people would agree is the best guitarist to ever yeah, be yeah. in Megadeth. Um, so I, I'm staying optimistic and I, and I really am rooting for a really awesome new Megadeth album, because I think Dave deserves to have that moment. And I think Megadeth fans deserve to have that moment.
1: Absolutely. Especially off the, you know, the year we've all had and also yeah. the year that he's had, especially.
0: Yeah. I mean, between, you know, yeah, the cancer stuff and then the david ellison stuff and uh you know the all the covid stuff it's just like come out and have a fucking banging album that rips
1: also want to give a quick shout out to Electra mustang who keeps putting out like weird little electro pop glam (laughs) songs
0: and she was a country artist once upon a time i remember I think
1: so, yeah. Her her new thing's like... Uh, it's a bit like 2008-09 Lady Gaga, I guess. Yeah. She has her own feel to it. It's like... Yeah, it, it's interesting stuff.
0: Well, there you go. From the mouth of mm. <laughs> Richard. Who we, who can definitely speak more intelligently about that than Mo. <laughs> but the real reason we're here today... I already mentioned we're doing a list and see, this is why these episodes end up being 90 plus minutes. And that's not a complaint because I think these albums are always of high quality and God knows after that Mike episode, I need a high quality episode. Uh, Anyways, uh, no, in all seriousness, we're here for the, to name our personal top five favorite acoustic performances from Metallica who, you know, until recent years, was obviously never really known for their acoustic performances. And now, uh, with the all within my hand foundation, the performances seem to be becoming, and just in general, the charitable work they've been doing, it seems to be, you know, they almost always play acoustic when it comes to charity. And, uh, and those mm-hmm. have been more and more frequent in the last decade. And, uh, so we've gotten um uh, more and more great acoustic performance for them I gotta be honest with you Richard I was doing research for this episode and i I messaged you on Twitter I was like this is harder than I thought it was going to be um I had a top five in my head going into it and I think for the I think for the most part I stuck with that top five because you you mentioned in your message to me you had to go with you got io so just felt like i had to go with my gut and kind of go with my first instincts but there mm. were a lot of different avenues i went down a lot of different rabbit holes i went down and uh I, I i at at one point i had like a few different lists going and i had to kind of go back to my original train of thought because there were versions i had completely forgotten about and there were versions there were one or two. I'm like, wait, they did this song acoustically? I had like Man. no memory of it or a very vague memory of it. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to hear your top five. Was there anything that was there any specific thinking that went behind this choosing your top five, or was it just five performances that stood out to you?
1: I kind of just dived in because as you said, there are just so many from over the years, but I feel like if I actually sat down and listened to every single one I could find, I probably would still end up with a top five like this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you, and you went with like a specific performance of a song or you went generally like this acoustic version.
1: Um, more more so specific performances. Yeah.
0: I did the same. Um, because there is, there are, I, I, at least with uh two of the songs I chose, I, there are specific reasons why I chose the versions I did. Um, yeah. So I, I, am really interested to hear what you have. So let's let's jump right into it. You can start. Mm. Give me give me one of your sure. top five.
1: All right. Number five is "Creeping Death" at the KSJO. Radio Studios in 1997. Now, have you heard this one, Brandon?
0: Yeah, so it's funny because my number five is not Grouping Death, but it's from yeah. this session. And mm. this is uh, something that I had completely forgotten about. Um, but it, when I was doing research for this episode, it brought me back. Once upon a time, when I was in middle school, I had a bootleg CD. And the bootleg mm. CD had if not all of these performances then most of these performances so i i went down a rabbit hole on youtube and checking out this performance and i looked up the you know the information on metallica.com and like there's stuff on here that um was surprising that they i think there are a couple surprising choices for songs and then it's just a who's who for guests. it's an amazing yeah. guest list that they have performing
1: I'm not even sure if I saw that. Oh, no, I found it. Okay. Yeah, so it's
0: from uh, KSJO in San Jose, California, December 18th, 1997. Don't call us, we'll call you. That's the name of uh, I guess the name of the show on KSJO. And Metallica came on and did a full eight-song acoustic set featuring a variety of guests. Um, And some of these are songs that they have performed again in more recent years um and but uh, several of them are ones that have sort of been uh at least the acoustic versions have been lost to time mm. so it's a really fascinating uh setlist and i think uh you know this was this must have been very soon after they did the bridge school benefit with neil young mm. And that the first time they did that was in 1997, and I, I and I believe that was the first time that they really ever performed acoustically on stage. So this is the KSGO show is probably in the, you know, I'm I'm going to guess the second time they've ever publicly performed acoustically.
1: Yeah, because I mean they were doing Four Horsemen acoustic at their actual shows, weren't they?
0: They, well, they were doing acoustic. So I'm trying to, my timeline's a little bit confused. It all happened uh, after the release of Reload because you had the Bridge School benefit with Neil Young. You had the, you had an acoustic set built into the Reload tour. Yes, yeah, that's what I meant. And they, and you can also see that on the Reload Rehearse Request concert, if you track that down from MTV back in the day. They did like a really awesome, uh, I believe it was like in a warehouse and they started with like an acoustic show. It was basically the reload rehearsal, but surrounded yeah. by fans. And then it was like, uh, it was called reload rehearse request because then they took fan requests. And the, cause I remember somebody like, I, I, I remember watching and being like, did they actually request this song? Like people were requesting like inter salmon, like you're requesting inter salmon request Dire's Eve. Um, yeah. But uh I, I the the one thing that stands out to me besides the acoustic set that I remember is they did uh somebody requested Creeping Death and they played it and I'm not sure if this is true or not. I, I'm assuming it is probably true. James Heffield said he did not remember the words, so they brought a fan fan on and he just the fan, I think, who requested the song and he just like screamed all the words to creeping death. <laughs>
1: of course. I think um I think the M T V show you're talking about is yeah the one that's been like mislabeled variously is unplugged yes if you go it's on youtube not a real MTV no unplugged. if you
0: yeah if you go on youtube and you see metallic mtv unplugged that's this show they've never because they've never actually done an mtv unplugged concert yeah so that's just a mislabeling Baffling,
1: yeah. yeah yeah
0: i know but uh they the it's a fascinating uh the ksjo show is fascinating so you have low man's lyric helpless the four horsemen poor twisted me which was one i was like oh yeah like i remember hearing that cover or the acoustic version of it like on my bootleg back in the day completely forgot they ever did that song Mm -hmm. live never mind as an acoustic jam they did uh nothing else matters creeping death tuesday's gone and last caress but a bunch of those with guests so like Uh, Jerry Cantrell and John Popper on The Four Horsemen. Chris Isaac does harmony Mm -hmm. vocals and Nothing Else Matters, which I thought was great because uh, I remember reading an interview where James Heffield cited Chris Isaac as his vocal influence when he was recording Nothing Else Matters. Absolutely. Um, So I, I think for him personally, it was probably a cool full circle moment. And then you have Tuesday's Gone, which, so here's what I'm confused on. This is the same uh, – it, it's all the same guests that are on Garage Inc. Yep. I, I'm not sure if Garage Inc. is just this version or if they re-recorded uh. it with those guests for Garage Inc. That I'm not sure of. Yeah. I'm going to guess it's a re-recording, but I it, it might be this exact version. with You have – Gary Rosington on guitar from Leonard Skinner, Pepper Keenan from Crooked Performance on guitar and vocals, Jerry Cantrell, Les Claypool, John Popper, Jim Martin, Sean Kenny. It's 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 a who's who. But why did you go with Creeping Death as your choice?
1: So I haven't heard this entire show. So clearly I need to. But um, I just was blown over by the sheer like ridiculousness of it. <laughs> 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 so firstly you have the host just mugging over the intro and like yelling random things throughout the performance. Oh, the
0: DJ' is very annoying throughout this yeah
1: performance. <laughs> but um it's played like super fast. so like live show tempo but acoustic and it feels like it could just fall apart at any time yeah and at a couple of points it almost does I think some of the transitions are a bit funny but um I don't know just very very charming especially how kirk like bluesifies his lead parts throughout like the guitar solo is almost all improvised so yeah it's a real fun one like i feel like even if they wanted to like they wouldn't be able to recreate that feel again it kind of came out organically to me yeah
0: i mean that that was a big thing that stood out to me about this whole performance from Cashio was just how loose it was. Yeah, um, and like they're the, never
1: loose, really. Some, no. I'm sometimes I don't think of them as a loose band.
0: No, even I feel like even when I feel like when they're loose, if they're ever loose, it's not intentional, and it's yeah. because like they're struggling to keep up, like on a new song <laughs> that they learned, yeah. you know, uh, you know, a half hour before they went on stage or something like that, and it's like the first ever. That's like that's when they're loose. And that's when like Mm -hmm. things can go off the road, but I've never really heard them just like loose and laid back in this way. Um, And and I include that in the, obviously the other acoustic performances that came after. And I, for my number five, I chose the Four Horsemen from this recording. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, the, I remember hearing the Four Horsemen from the All Within My Hands uh, 2020 concert um from the Helping Hands album. And you know, they it's a great version. It's a, it's performance-wise a better version than this because it's mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because it's a tighter, it's a cleaner, more polished performance. Um uh, but I remember them making headlines when they like released the video because it was oh Metallica goes country. They do like a country western version of the Four Horsemen. Mm-hmm. I was like they did that all the way back in yeah. 1997. This was like just a rehash of that. And this version is cool because not only do you have Jerry on Guitar, but you have John Popper of Blues Traveler just like doing improvised harmonicas all over the damn song. <laughs> it's just like a really loose, rowdy, bluesy, countryish rendition of a thrash song. And it, it's a really fun listen, I think. So I, my choices for choosing were very similar to your choices for choosing mm. Creeping Death.
1: Hell yeah. I think I need to. Yeah, I think I need to go back and listen to the whole show, for sure. It, I w- it really I would sounds recommend like a, they've all had, like, several beers.
0: Yeah, it really does. Like, they yeah. definitely, <laughs> like, smoked a joint and had a few beers or something to get themselves loosened up. If you're interested in hearing and you've not yet heard it, I found it on YouTube under uh if you if you search metallica acoustic metal there's like mm. an acoustic metal bootleg that comes up and my, the version i found even broke it down like track by track so you could skip from song to song and this is how loose they are right when they do nothing else matters the the whole like first part of the song anyways is just them laughing like they're playing the song in like I feel like they're just like calling out to the DJ, and then James is just like laughing his way through the verses. Like they are not like taking it seriously at all, which is like, which which is fun to hear in a yeah, a, especially over a song that you've heard like a million times. Because I was like, oh, this is gonna be like so good. I want to hear like those Chris Isaac harmony vocals, and then like Hetfields is just laughing his ass off through the whole like first verse. <laughs> You don't want
1: it every performance, but once in a while, you know, you just got to let loose. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that that was like my mic, um, my mic episode last week. That was my KSJO <laughs> podcast episode. Oh dear, just got to let loose once in a while, and now we're focused in doing a very strict, serious podcast
1: episode. Absolutely yes. enunciating very clearly.
0: Yes, I always enunciate it clearly, because I'm a podcast professional, and I'm just going to emphasize yep. all my words, especially my P's.
1: Anyway, <laughs> my number four is All Within My Hands from S&M 2, uh, which seems like a predictable choice, but I actually almost didn't include it. Um, but no, I went back and listened to it, and I thought, eh, it's just too good not to, you know? Yeah. Um, Partly because I admittedly have not rewatched SM2 since I saw it in the cinema, but it does feel like the whole moment does feel extra special just after the last 18 months. Um, but ultimately, it's funny because I'm one of the people who does still kind of prefer the original all within my mm-hmm. hands. Um, I really would love to hear Metallica do any St. Angus song like in the original tuning rather than the tuning up they're doing this version but it's like a testament to this this version and this moment that it is as great as it is i think
0: i'm going to mix up my order a little bit on the fly here because i also chose this song i chose it at a different number but i might as well talk about it now because the numbers really are just there for structure um so I, I chose I I w- same as you I was hesitant to choose this version, because it's, I mean it's acoustic version but you have this l- like lush rich orchestra around them and it's like it's it's not it's far from a stripped down acoustic version at this point when you have a hundred plus musicians playing on it, but it is just so good and I think mm. when you look at the the long list of Metallica songs that they have reworked or reimagined for uh, their acoustic sets. This is, as soon as they performed this for the first time, which I think was when they went back to bridge school, maybe in 2007, yeah. Yeah. It, it became like an instant fan favorite. And, you know, it's it's one thing to rework... Uh, a class of like the Four Horsemen. It's one thing to rework Inter-Sandman. They did a brilliant job, brilliant job reworking Disposable Heroes. But to take a song that is a, a deep cut from your most criticized album that is the... Just this heavy, brutal, ugly beast of a song. And then you rework it into a whole new song that is equal parts eerie and beautiful. Mm. That to me is just genius. And then you, I, I think if you look at the last 10 years, this has become for most fans the definitive version of this song, mm. and I think the s and Two version, it it just does it the best because you, the the or, this is a one of those songs where the orchestra arrangement is just beautifully composed around uh, what Metallica is playing, and for me it's hard now to go back and listen to it without the orchestra just because I'm hearing the orchestra parts in my head now and and like singing along the orchestra parts over like, but over the metallic parts, that's how well done it is. And I remember when S and M two came out, this was released as the single. And I remember Mm. I, I rarely, rarely ever listen to FM radio these days, but at one point, um, probably a month or two after the album came out i was in my car happened to have it on a random local rock station and they were playing that song and i was like they took a brutally heavy fast ugly deep cut from what many label their worst album and made it a radio hit (laughs) with a full orchestra (laughs) it's a
1: beautiful thing um for yeah for saint anger to get any representation on snm2 made me very happy you know we joked about hearing frantic with the orchestra yeah and that did not happen but (laughs) this happened yeah and so who who can possibly complain (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and and i I say this as somebody too who uh who loves the saint anger version of this song Mm. i think I think it is I think the Saint Anger version of this track is one of the more underrated tracks in their catalog. If I had to make a top 10 most underrated Metallica song list, which I should do for a future episode, I, I, I think I would have to include all within my hands from Saint Anger on that list somewhere because i I, I think it's I, I really think it's such a an amazing track in so many ways
1: yeah i should i should mention that this like their unplugged version of all with my hands really brings out the blues in the song which i think is all throughout the saint anger album it's just mutated and somewhat unrecognizable but to me it's still like the core of the album as i've written about at length
0: <laughs> check out the link in the episode description <laughs> i feel like i i, I have not, not sent i have not sent an article out to so many people um love it as i have your saint anger article um and that includes articles i myself have written i i Ooh. so i it, i i'm trying yeah. to spread the richard s he gospel about saint anger
1: thank you thank you it served its purpose because like every time i see an argument about saint, Ang- saint Anger come up on social media instead of like typing out all my points i can just go here i said it <laughs> um three years ago and in fact i've been tossing up whether to do a similar one about lulu for its 10th anniversary and after our long yes. podcast which feels like you know phase one of my yes. re-appreciation for that album do i'm just it, uh i don't know do how much time it, i'll have to do, do like it, all the research do but yeah it, do
0: <laughs> you can always do it for the 11th year anniversary. I'll let you.
1: Mm. We'll see. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Your number three, unless you have something else to add about All Within My Hands, Richard.
1: No, no. I feel like we said it all. All right. Number three is, in fact, the Four Horsemen from All Within My Hands 2018. Also known as Helping Hands Live and Acoustic at the Masonic. I think
0: I said 2020 before, right? It was 2018. As I was saying, yeah. 2020. I was like, it was earlier than that. I was thinking in my head.
1: The um, I mean, the show may have been released later, but it happened in 2018, I think.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right because, I mean, when did the second one happen? Was that still 2020? I'm or we not were already sure. in 2021? It's all blending in. Damn, COVID's yeah. just making everything blend in with each other COVID and kids in my life every mm. year now just blurs and blends
1: one negative and one positive.
0: Yes. Yeah. COVID was a huge positive. Kids are a huge negative. <laughs> I'm kidding I'm, <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You,
1: you tested COVID <laughs> negative and your wife's pregnancy tests were positive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a respectable way to say that. <laughs> Congrats. <Thank you. laughs> a number two. Um two two plus two is four, the four horsemen. Um, so I was considering yeah, including a version from the reload tour because that was also the first time I heard Metallica Acoustic. Um way back in the day, just five bootlegs and stuff. Yeah. Um but the yeah, so I was looking through a few versions of those, but actually the 2018 the 2018 one stood out a bit more to me just because it's a bit more epic um it's a bit more like indulgent i would say the tempo is a bit slower so it feels mm. a bit richer but also because like they have uh more members i mean they have a second guitarist and a yeah. percussionist they've got a pedal steel player And they've got someone who has my dream job, which is playing keyboards in Metallica. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Yeah, they really not adding too much, but
0: yeah, they really did do a brilliant job though of just like making some of those arrangements lush and. um, And and I feel like for Hatfield, that had been a while since he could tip Mm. his cowboy hat and give a nod to his country influences. Like we talked about on episode 79, a little bit country. Check it out now on Apple Mm. Podcasts, Google, Spotify, everywhere you find your podcast, G-Plug is over. Continue, Richard.
1: (laughs) I mean, every solo episode is a highlight. But (laughs) yeah, James's baritone sounds a little bit richer than it did in the past. I mean, as he gets older. But I also love that they play the chorus in Halftime. For me, that adds a lot because I don't think they did that originally. But it's just that attention to detail to me that yeah. wins me over i think
0: yeah it definitely i my the version of the four horsemen i chose was uh not because it was the more polished version as i said definitely not <laughs> like you know you're the the version all within my hands i would say for so many reasons is the superior performance um and the superior arrangement but I'm telling you that KSJO show, there's just something really fun about it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and it brought me back to my childhood too when I first heard them. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's an awesome choice for your number three hmm. for my number three. I chose something from their second bridge school performance in 2007. Now, uh, this performance, they, if I'm not mistaken, they did two nights, um, night one i remember going online and seeing what they performed and i was like oh i was like oh my god they started off with four covers i just want to celebrate um please don't judas me um i'm only happy when it rains That's and it's a great one and uh the one that i chose for number three brothers in arms um so I I I feel like it was at this time where I I think it took uh you know uh until the 2000s for Metallica to start kind of laying their guard down live and having more fun on stage and I think this performance um is a a perfect example of that like you to do you know a basically a, a funk cover, um, a, uh, garbage cover, a, uh, Nazareth cover and a dire straits cover to start your set. That's, that's just them messing around and having fun and also doing something a little bit special for the people that are there and giving them something new. And, and I thought that, I thought that was just a really cool, fun set list. And the brothers in arms, uh, performance really stood out to me because it's such a uh, like serious deep emotional track and it I I feel like of the four covers they do it has the most emotional weight to it Whereas it's like I just want to celebrate it's just a fun show starter sing along please don't judas me great brilliance cover of it they've done that multiple times since and there's a reason why they've repeated that one because it's so well done. Um, only Happy When It Rains. It's just so quirky to hear them cover garbage. And it's so fun to hear it. And it's a it, and it's really well done. Um, but for me, Brothers in Arms just had a little bit more emotional weight behind it. And I really enjoyed uh, the cover from Night 1. And I know Night 2, I think they did it again. Um, yeah they did yeah. they i know that one or two i think a couple at least i think only happy when it rains was subbed out with a like a deep purple song if i'm not mistaken it's veteran um, of the psychic was. yeah and then the other three remains at the same i yeah. think um yeah. so yeah but uh yeah i i have always really enjoyed that uh acoustic version not um, a big fan of the dire straits version though i gotta say i after i actually i was not that Obviously, I'm familiar with Dire Straits, but I was not familiar with that song. And I and I I sought it out and listened to it. Uh, And the Dire Straits version did not like stay with me, but the Metallica version has stayed with me all these years later.
1: Hmm. I actually haven't heard the Metallica cover, so I will have to check it out. But um, it's funny because yeah, I have a lot of friends who are like absolute Dire Straits haters. Yeah. (laughs) So <laughs> they Yeah, I, I was expecting you to defend the original more, but well, I,
0: uh, I I do it. not hate. I just it they're so they are a band that I think are immensely um talented. Mm. Um and I think it, despite the grand hits that they've had over their career, I think they're a, probably a bit underrated. By myself included I probably underrate mm-hmm. them a lot um, but they're just not a band that's oh, like when they're a band I've tried to get into and I, and mm. I just I, just one of those bands i have not really clicked with me yet anyways maybe I'll try again and, uh, yeah. and one of these days it'll click but
1: I think I mentally have filed them under the same category as like light Eric Clapton yeah <laughs> If you know what I mean,
0: yeah, but just like, in, generation. but less racist, which is good too, yeah, yes, Ge- generationally,
1: maybe just not for me, yeah, but perhaps I will find a way. I don't
0: know, yeah. <laughs> so, that is my number three, Richard. Your number, wait, was that our number three? Is that what, yeah, it was all, yeah. right, all right, all right, I'm confusing myself now, all right, take it away.
1: Number two is Disposable Heroes, also from All In My Hands, Helping Hands, 2018. Um, th- this is just like a dream version for me. Um, it's one of the last songs I would have expected them to do acoustically. Um, yeah. Even in its like metal form, it's a little bit underperformed and mm-hmm. I think a bit underappreciated even though everyone's heard it. Um, but it's just so impressive. Like, the arrangement's completely different. It's in a different time signature too, which I guess changes the feel by default. I think twelve mm-hmm. eight, I guess instead of four four, but it means even the vocals are shuffled around, all the different parts are shuffled around, yeah. And it's just so like big and grand and familiar, but new. I maybe even more so than "North in My Hands" because that's more of a vocal led song, yeah. Whereas this is more of an arrangement led one um but you have yeah someone backing up playing a mandolin which is one of my favorite instruments Kirk absolutely shredding a 12-string acoustic mm. um there's like there's even a key change when they hit the bridge i think like 3 minutes in or something yeah just total curveball of that and to me i just love how how like adult it sounds compared to the original which is just pure energy the this one brings a, a certain gravitas while still feeling. Maybe if not a thrash metal song, it has you know, it has that kind of propulsiveness to it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Now, so this one's not on my list, but this if I had to, uh, this was one that I kind of was like going back and forth on. I was really tempted to put it in my top five because I I think it's a brilliant, reimagining of it. Um, it's not even like a rearrangement so much as it's a reimagining, um, hmm. and it, there. I remember. I I think the first time they performed this, I think he even I think Hatfield even said something along the lines of like, "See if you can recognize this one," and like I remember when they started playing, it's like ba da, dah, bah, da I'm like, what is this? Because I I did not look like the song title, and then when he starts singing like. Holy shit! It's disposable heroes. <laughs> so good, and, and and it really is. Um, they kind of take you on a little bit of a journey, and 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 I really like the rearrangement of the, you know, like you mentioned the chorus, the bridge, the it's just really, really well done.
1: I um I have not heard the original because they first debuted this version I think at Bridge School in two thousand seven as well. Yeah, that's so the first time up, I yeah. heard it, yeah. I, I'm curious to hear how it's changed in the years since.
0: Yeah, I, I would have to listen to them back to back um, to tell. I, I But off the top of my head, I don't think it's actually changed too much. I think it's yeah. probably just got tightened up and then they added added in like the mandolin and other. Um, is there anything? I, I forget off the top of my head. Is there anything else on there besides the mandolin?
1: Uh, don't I don't mean, think so. Yeah.
0: So I I will tie in with the Helping Hands concert for my next song which is Bleeding Me. Um I I I think it's funny somebody just wrote on Twitter today. Uh I think it was Good Old Punt. Hey. Ooh, I'm going to do my mustache impression for you. Punt is, if you're not on Twitter, he's a, he's a great guy. We do a lot of music talking on there at Metallica's pod, follow me on there. And uh, you'll, I'm sure you'll find him weaving in and out of uh, conversations with me and many other music fans. And, uh, and I'm, 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 I, 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 am just going to keep on saying I, 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 cause I'm, I'm a podcast professional. I am encouraging him to uh, start up his own Megadeth podcast.
1: Absolutely, we need one.
0: I know. How is there not one? He can call it and punch. If you're listening, this title's for free. You can call it. I'm not sure exactly how you write that out, (laughs) but that's what it should be called. Yep. Um, but he he posted today. He uh he was listening to Bleeding Me, and he's like, you know, some people might not like this because it's on. And I wrote, it is an all-time classic song yep in my opinion i think this is um it it has always been one of my favorite metallica songs um i you know as somebody who grew up with load that came out when i was in sixth grade it's the first compact disc i ever owned on my and as the first one I ever played on my first CD player, so I mean, I mean, I have nostalgic memories for this album. So maybe I view it in a different light than earlier generations because of that reason. But I have always held the Load era in high regard, and I think uh, Load is the stronger album of the of the two, in my opinion. And uh, I think it just has a few just brilliant all-time songs on it, um, mixed in with a bunch of good songs and okay by Metallica standard songs. But Bleeding Me is one of the few that I would easily rank as an all-time great song. In fact, dare I say, if I made a top 10 favorite Metallica songs, I think Bleeding Me would have to make that top 10. I respect it. And it's not a, it's a song that they performed a lot in like the post load years up until the early two thousands. And then they just stopped performing it. So when it made its way to helping hands, it was a pleasant surprise and they just kill this performance. Heffield's vocals on it are just a thing of beauty. Um, his, his, and I always say on this podcast, he has a very underrated, soulful voice. Listen to this acoustic version, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, especially when he gets to the chorus. It's just uh, it's just superbly done. In fact, you can even hear some of the audience members say some, uh You can hear an audience member after the song say something along the lines of like, That was awesome! <laughs> Metallica fans want more Load Era tracks in the set list. Sorry, we do yeah
1: they were certainly in fine form that night what can i say
0: yeah that i mean that that whole uh the second all within my hand show is solid but that first one is just really really excellent from start to finish
1: Mm, something was in the air
0: yeah for sure i am fascinated now to hear the number one Favorite acoustic performance by Metallica in the words of Mr. Richard S. He?
1: It is none other than Dread and the Fugitive Mind from Megadeth Vivo <laughs> Unplugged. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just had to give a shout out to Dave Mustaine palm muting on acoustic guitar.
0: Oh, oh.
1: It's not what it's oh, for, Dave.
0: Dave. You know what? I, I whenever I hear you know you chose disposable heroes. Whenever I hear a song like that, I'm like, "Yeah, this is how you do metal acoustically." Um, you if you do like a thrash song on an acoustic guitar, it has to be like a little bit of like a novelty. Like yeah. Metallica did "Hardwired" acoustically, pretty much note for note as they do it on the album for the most part, and yeah. I feel like that's just sort of when when you do it one time it comes across to me as like we're just having fun with this we're just it this yeah, might yeah. work this might not work Is it's we're just kind of letting loose and having at it but when you do try to do every song in that way it just does not work
1: rearrange although they try reimagine
0: <laughs> Ooh, i'm singing acoustically dread be the future mind. i'm trying to think yeah. i'm trying to think of the melody of dread in the future of mind right now
1: oh i don't know either
0: it's i i know the song is but yeah off the top of my head all i can think of is now kill the king the king is dead long live the king i am the king god save the king you remember that song
1: i i remember rainbows kill the king more
0: <laughs> so i remember i so i always associate these two songs together because i if i'm not mistaken they came out together and then dread the future of mine made its way onto a studio album after they came out together like i think they were on a right. greatest hits album and then dread the future of mine made its way on the next studio album the world needs a hero and poor mm-hmm. kill the king got left behind off the album but um all right, all right. but uh yeah i always so I, whenever i hear one of those songs i automatically think of the other one of those songs and i i just remember hearing kill the king and being like how many times can you say king and of course kill the king save the king long live the king god save the king i am the king it's like godsmack with away how many songs are you gonna have with away keep away stay away go away far away fall away okay we get it silly we get it away
1: Uh, i think (sighs) um i think you need to start a cameo (laughs) doing dave mustaine impressions
0: (laughs) what does he charge now like 300 bucks probably because I, oh, I remember yeah. it came out like he started charging more and more. He must have gotten a lot of requests. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, whatever he charges, I'll charge $1 less. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I respect the, that you value yourself.
0: As you <laughs> I'm one less dollar worthy than the real Dave Mustaine. <laughs> yep.
1: All right. On to my real number one. It is... Mama Said, later with Jules Holland, 1996. I think this has only been performed twice, if I'm not mistaken. And the other version was at a Swedish show. But um, this one is literally just James solo, um, washed, you know, lit in blue on a quite a nice TV soundstage. And to me, it's like the most vulnerable he's ever sounded at a live performance. He just doesn't he's not projecting the rock stardom at all. And what I love about it is it just completely humanizes him. Like he seems like a regular dude playing a regular acoustic guitar, like not even a super fancy sounding one in your living room. But to me that really shows off like his talent and his humility. And also Yeah, the strength of the song. Um for him to be able to do a straight-up country ballad that's so personal to him. it really respect it.
0: So, so that is my number one. This I'm glad you mentioned it because it's not in my top five. And literally up to the point where we started recording, I was like, I should put that version of Mama said in my top five. Because I... So going back to that bootleg album I had with the KSJO, I had that Mama said from Jules Holland mm. uh on that bootleg album. And I remember once YouTube was a thing, like find the video on YouTube, and I, I've seen and heard that performance so many times and it is everything you said it is. It it is just so good. It's stripped down, it's very emotional. It it is uh it's very rare you see you get to see and hear Heffield in that way. Um, and and I was like, I should put in my top five. I should put in my top five, but I did not. So I'm glad that you chose it because that I I, I if I made this a top six, it definitely hands down would have weaseled its way in there. Um, and if you ask me for my top five next week, it will probably end up being on that list. Because um, I think this list is always – forever changing you know
1: yeah I do just have a I do just really have a, sp- a soft spot for this particular song um, yeah like people, I think yeah, people say you know everyone says we want a country and western album from James but um, yes I feel like even if he did it I don't know if every song would sound like this you know yeah, yeah.
0: I think you know uh, I think it's a really fascinating side of him right because he's you know this like californian skater thrasher punk rock kid who you know finds country western later in life and like his whole there's so many things he borrows from the from the hat to Mm -hmm. some of the styles you know of clothing and and then in load reload, you hear these influences seeping into the music and there's no obvious, more obvious selection to show off that mama said. I mean, that is like when he goes into the chorus and you hear the, you know, the slide guitar. And I, and I just always think, and I, and I think I said this in the little bit country episode I recorded, uh, that sort of covered this. If I did not, I'll say it now. Um, You know, if they had, if they sort of did country western before it was like a cool, trendy thing for rock artists to do, before you had Kid Rock doing it and Bon Jovi doing it and Steven Tyler doing it and all these crossover things. And they did it in a way that felt natural. It wasn't over, like, when I hear Bon Jovi country. It sounds yeah. exactly like a Bon Jovi song just maybe with like a pedal steel like in the background of the mix. But that's generally what like pop country is now, you know? Like pop country can be yeah. literally any style of music with like a pedal steel and like a slide guitar. So Metallica kind of did it in a way that felt natural, felt authentic, and still sounded like Metallica.
1: Somehow, which is the most impressive part. Yeah. I think. No. And
0: and I think of all the times, like, they've tried it. Like, The Unforgiven 2, I think, is a great song. And it has a little bit of that twang. But it, it shines. That country influence shines the brightest on this song. And actually, just this past week, um, I was listening to Metallica and Shuffle the Car. I picked up my daughter from daycare. We're driving home. Mama said, comes on. And I turned it up. And I'm singing along. My daughter is for the, uh 21 months so she's less than 2 oh. years old. Mm-hmm. She is, you know, just starting to like vocalize and talk and she has a lot of words now, but she's not, you know, she can't sing a f- full song because she's so young. But so like she's picking up on the words though, and then the song ends and she goes, "More." So I put it on again. <laughs> the song ends. And she goes, um, uh, you know, it has that refrain, let my heart go. Mm. And she's going, let go, let go. And I was like, Aww. if uh, almost two-year-old has a reaction to that song, it is a damn good song. <laughs>
1: I would say, not always, Baby Shark, don't was- hear it. I was going to
0: say uh, I was going to say I put that on to get out of playing Baby Shark because I've heard that song way too many times. And you have no clue how many different versions of the song there are. Oh, Lord. I don't want to know. Baby Shark. So I was really... So basically, this is my life now. We listen to children's music. And then I once in a while put on music I like and hope that she has a positive reaction to it. Sometimes she goes, no Dada, shark or bus meaning wheels on the bus or, (laughs) um, or Baba for bubble black sheep, you know, all the classics, but once in a while she hears a song and then it ends and she goes more. And I'm like, we're going to play this song 5 million times. If it gets me out of hearing, uh, more children's music <laughs> oh, yeah. well you
1: sound sound like you're doing it right
0: i'm trying i'm, I'm trying failing <laughs> succeeding all at the same time <laughs> so my number one is maybe i'm i maybe i'm cheating a little bit because it was more um let me just say it's dread in the future of mind from. Uh... <laughs> no, maybe, maybe I'm cheating a little bit because it's it's not a Metallica song and it's not a full Metallica performance.
1: Mm.
0: It is James Heffield performing solo doing um, something I never thought I needed until I heard it. And that's him covering Eddie Money. Baby, hold on. It is. So I, this took place, I believe, in February 2020. Uh, Heffields was recently out of rehab for the second time. This is his first performance on stage. I believe his first appearance was he did, uh, was at the car museum for his car show. And then, shortly after that, it might have even been the same week, he surprised everybody, appeared on stage at an Eddie Money tribute show, and sat down, just him and guitar, and did this cover. I had no clue him and Eddie Money were apparently friends, hmm. and he tells uh the story of how they met and how they became friends um and it's a very you know personal heartfelt moment, and then he starts playing. I'm like, what? What is he playing? This is not a Metallica song. It's got to be Any Money song, and you know, I, I know all the hits, like you know, from Any Money, um, mainly because my parents played Any Money when I was growing up. But like, if it's a, like if it's not one of his handful of hits, I'm not gonna know what this song is. And I'm like, what is it? What is? It? And then he goes, and I, you can kind of hear the audience like trying to figure it out. And then he goes into baby hold on to me and everybody's like oh my god he takes this pop rock 80s song completely strips it down and similar to what they do with all the, with the, all of them just makes it this eerie but beautiful song that takes on a whole new meaning he 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 sounds very uh, vulnerable, but strong in his vocal performance and is just really, really well done. And if you've not heard it, you must seek it out on YouTube and listen to it. I talk about it right now, I'm like I'm going to listen to it again as soon as we're done recording. It is that damn good, I think.
1: I just uh, put it on now in the background and yeah, it looks like a pretty magical moment
0: yeah it is and, and the fact that you know best of my knowledge it was not he was not advertised to be there mm. like i said he had just come from rehab he comes back and just has this like personal moment for a friend and lets this out and uh it, it's funny because i remember hearing this and be like oh my god like is this it it's one of those things times where i'm like is this as good as I feel like it is, or am I just have like my Metallica blinders on? Am I really excited for to hear James Hetfield's live again? Cause nobody knew his status, you know, going to rehab. And then, um, I, I remember seeing, um, I remember talking to a friend about it and he was like, you, and he, and he brought it up. I did not. He, he's like, I had goosebumps. I'm like, all right, it was really that good. And then I went back to it, and I was like, wow, it is. And, and every once in a while, I still have to go back and like revisit it. And I, I just think it's... I never in my life, ever, thought I needed to hear James Hetfield perform Eddie Money. And now all I want... I want a James Hetfield country album, and I want a James yep. Hetfield Eddie Money covers album. <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: I um I don't know much about... Eddie Money, he was a little bit Springsteen esque, right?
0: Um, a little bit in like tone, not so much like subject matter. Like I, I feel yeah. like it, subject matter. He was definitely more like just typical pop stuff, as far as I know, like love and kind of party, feel good. Um, you know, kind of like general eighties pop mm. stuff. Um, whereas Bruce Springsteen's no more associated with like blue collar Heartland, yeah, yeah. a little bit more poetic, uh, but kind of in um a little bit in like energy, I guess, in that uh, 80s like production was sort of similar to some of that era of Springsteen.
1: Mm. I I've always seen James and Bruce as being like a little bit kindred spirits, I guess. Mm yeah i can I was see always that curious, like, one day there would somewhere meet in the middle or yeah one would cut the other or something like that
0: i can see that i've always actually it's interesting you say that because when i listen to bruce springsteen hmm. um which i feel like once a year i go through like a bruce springsteen phase for like hmm. a week and i just like dive into a bunch of his stuff he's it's especially like this time of year like you're sitting outside you're by a fire you're having a beer and you're like, what's American Bruce Springsteen. You might not understand Australian. <laughs> now I'm taking jabs on Australia. Mike wore off on me. Um, no, but it, you know, it, it sometimes it's just, or you're driving down the street and you got the windows hanging, like Springsteen works right now. Totally. And, and it, there's those moments, you know, where like he Springsteen needs to be the soundtrack of my life in these little moments. It's perfect for it. And, uh, a so, but I'm not like an avid Bruce Springsteen fan, but whenever I listen to him, I, I always, I, I, I've thought before, I'm like, I wonder if Hatfield likes him, because I feel like, mm. I feel like he could be, or should be, like a big Springsteen fan in so many ways, and and I agree with you, it's sort of, I feel like they would probably be a little bit on opposite ends politically, but in all other ways, they're like kindred spirits.
1: (laughs) I think that, um, I also think that a lot of Metallica fans look up to James the same way Bruce fans look up to him, you know, with that almost like not quite religious awe, but there there definitely is an awe and a mystique to how they give voice to our emotions, I guess. Yeah. That's a rare thing.
0: Oh, so this is a very obscure reference. But if anybody out there ever saw the Ben Stiller show. So before Uh, Ben Stiller was famous, he had like a short lived sketch comedy show. And uh, I mention only because he does. uh, They do a brilliant impression of James Hatfield and Lars Ulrich in one episode. And Ben Stiller does a, a brilliant impression of Bruce Springsteen as well. And he mm-hmm. does uh counting with Bruce Springsteen. You know, like Bruce always counts off his songs like one, yeah. two. So when Ben Stiller does it, he goes, huh, hoo and, and so now every time I hear Bruce Springsteen, I have to count it in like Ben Stiller as him. That's he's a not little wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. It's spot right. on, yeah. yeah. But um I, for some reason I just thought of that because of the two impressions
1: i <laughs> love it well i feel like we picked two kind of similar performances for our number ones
0: yeah yeah
1: they both have that yeah. atmosphere yeah
0: we had a little bit it's funny because we actually did not have much overlap but we mm. both chose a lot from uh the same type of songs for the same type of reasons from a lot of the same performances mm. we're good like that what can we say are good like that now the question is yes. when do we get invincible kid acoustic we got poor twisted me yeah. when do we get invincible kid
1: uh, drop a flat baritone guitar as well <laughs> <All
0: right>. <laughs> <laughs> Invincible kid never see what he did. Got stuck where he hid, falling through the grid. So you just like slow it down a little bit. And yeah, I can see it. And then Mustaine's just palm muting behind it, right? It's uh, they're, imagine if like they're if they're like, all right, breaking news: Hatfield and Mustaine mm. are collaborating together for the first time since 1983 and then all you got was like uh, a dread in the future to mine invincible kid acoustic <laughs> recordings and they're like it would be like the equivalent of guns and roses reuniting and then releasing absurd as their first song
1: <laughs> i think um if we paid like <laughs> 3 grand to um dave mustaine's cameo and then donated like <laughs> 20 grand to all Within my hands foundation We could maybe make
0: that happen. Now, now, oh, my wheels are turning now. (laughs) I, I, I kind of want to find out how much money would it take for Mustaine to cover a Metallica song he did not write on his cameo. Yeah. If anybody out there is listening and you love me and you have a lot of uh, disposable income. Yeah. Please find out. Please find out.
1: He'll just do promises and he'll call it nothing else matters. I
0: think. <laughs> this I promise you, because nothing else matters. Walking on the bread line. <laughs> like, oh my. <laughs> my
1: favorite crooner, Dave Mustaine.
0: Uh, well, guess what, Richard? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did it! Yeah!
1: yeah. We did Little it!
0: you whipping boy! I'll We're never born. be your whipping boy ever ever again. Dang nabbit. I think we did it. And we did it under 90 minutes.
1: We got a bit more time if you want to extend it. <laughs>
0: yeah, we, let's go. <laughs> All right, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Right now, uh, for those of you who cannot see, Mr. Richard S., he is taking out an instrument called the guitar. And I'm he on. is about to perform The Sick, the Dying, and the Dead <laughs> in its entirety, followed by an encore of Breadline, uh, a Lamone" as performed by Elton John and Yo-Yo Ma.
1: Is that, like, actually audible?
0: It, it I, it, Yeah, I can hear it. It sounds like it's... It, do you just have it unplugged right now? Because that's what it sounds I like. I do. Yeah. Sadly. It sounded like you were playing Keep on Rockin' in the Free World.
1: <laughs> I am a chorus of the voices <laughs> of the magnets spread before me. I don't know the rest of it I will learn it though one day
0: all what 11 minutes of it
1: uh yeah uh (laughs) yes right brilliant that's the whole song
0: brilliant (laughs) that is the whole song just mixed up can you do uh all right little dog go uh
1: that whole song's just like
0: <laughs> i need to have
1: the the lyrics ahead of me i could probably like improvise the whole thing this is what happens when you let me loose on Metallicast <laughs> uh, during a lockdown in melbourne
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and ironically the second guess in a row pulling out a guitar and playing random songs
1: I Little think Metalcast
0: is the new MTV unplugged.
1: Who can't get in? Moaning at the bedside. Moaning from each limb. Little dog who can't get in. Can only cry, but cannot swim. <laughs> A puny body. <laughs> and a tiny dick a little dog can make you sick
0: <laughs> i believe we got 12 more minutes um...
1: <laughs> pathetic little dog <laughs>
0: uh, i think i think that made my day in fact i know that made my day And by the way, it's it's morning there. This is how Richard starts his day: playing, talking to me, (laughs) and listening in a playing little dog.
1: (laughs) It'll it'll prepare me prepare me for um my work, which is writing about the the disgraced producer Doctor Luke.
0: So,
1: (laughs) yeah. That's the fun of Lou. Like, every riff is quite memorable. Like, I haven't yeah. practiced them or anything, but I'm just like, you know.
0: Yeah. Stuck on my a head. Little noggin. Well, I'm seeing flashes out my window. Yeah. Lightning's coming. Can you play us some Ride the Lightning?
1: Uh. Uh.
0: That sounds like the Saint Anger version of Ride the Lightning.
1: <laughs> just disgracing myself and Metallica, <laughs> class, playing actual Metallica songs. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna just keep naming songs. Let's do this for two more hours. Let's go.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say is I'm I'm disappointed that Megadeth have never done anything from Rust in Peace to acoustic, because it's like if you're gonna do acoustic songs badly in palm muted, you should just <laughs> commit. You should commit to the bit.
0: You know, uh, have they never? They've never done it. I'm looking up. Uh, oh! By the way, did you hear? Did you see that? Um, they are coming out with an acoustic album, like uh, from a really? show back in the day. So this is from. Like a month ago. Um this is an article from Louder Sound and there's this article is like, you know, the news story appeared on multiple, multiple websites. Um let's see. Recorded on the World Needs a Hero Acoustic Tour at Bill's Bar in Boston, Massachusetts, like on May one. 9th, 2001. The ten track Unplugged in Boston album features the short-lived Megadeth lineup of Dave Mustaine, David Ellison, guitarist Al Petrelli, and drummer Jim Grasso, and was previously only available to members of the Megadeth fan club. The album is now set to be released on August 20th, that's soon, on LA indie label Cleopatra Records, who are billing the stripped-back recording as a document of one of the most unique and sought-after concert experiences in Megadeth fandom. The track listing for Unplugged in Boston is dread in the future of mind yeah trust time the beginning which is a good choice because that's just basically an acoustic song anyways use the man yeah here we go holy war is the punishment do wow followed by almost honest your favorite song promises hey she wolf moto psycho the best song title ever
1: Moto Psycho Acoustic is awful. Moto psycho. <laughs> Nothing about that song translates.
0: <laughs> and right into Symphony of Destruction. Wow. Yeah. So that will be a must listen to. I'll probably need a few beers before I do so. But yeah. I, I, I will listen to it. And I think actually we should do a special episode. Live stream. Uh, uh, either a live stream where we just do a running commentary or we'll just do Absolutely. a track-by-track breakdown as a special Metallicast episode. It'll be like, you know, when a sitcom um, has like a very serious <laughs> episode. They have a very special episode. We'll have a very serious, very special episode of about. It'll be like an intervention of why you should not listen to this album. <laughs> yeah.
1: Zero <laughs> and, jokes.
0: And fun story. Bill's bar, believe it's no longer there. But it was a, a popular venue in Boston, across the street from Fenway Park. And I played there as the lead singer in a Metallica tribute band Woo! called Alcoholica. Woo! There Hell you go. Yeah. There you have it.
1: I, I like to imagine a younger Brandon being like in the radius of that bar in 2002. <laughs> Just being like, why do I have a weird urge to to enter this establishment even though I'm not of age <laughs> just calling to me maybe this will uh this will come up in discussion in another 19 years
0: well we definitely did it yeah we did it L- uh,
1: L- what's the riff to that
0: uh <laughs> That sounds like. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I always just think of Swiss beats like doing the bob. Like got fast cars, fast broads. I'm driving 35 on the highway. I'm Ja rule. Never more your whipping boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited
1: for this to sound horrible, like on the podcast.
0: That's that's unplugged. the whole podcast.
1: <laughs> Maybe next time I'll like actually work at my guitar setup, and then
0: here's what I need you. It'll to get do. too
1: self-indulgent though. But yeah,
0: here's what I need you to do. Great. Yeah. On August 20th, Cleopatra Records is releasing the first time commercially Megadeth unplugged in Boston. I need you to learn all the acoustic versions of it. Every, all 10 songs and I need you for a live stream to perform it live and I will do my Mustaine if you play guitar I'll do my Mustaine impression over it all
1: highly requested by everyone yes That's won't that, that be would, in time because that that will, of the, the lag between
0: us when I come back from paternity we're gonna make it happen and it will not be in time because it will be incredibly lagged real time performance is impossible over the internet all right.
1: I think we've led them on long enough.
0: Yes. So please, uh, Richard, tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs.
1: You can find me at on Twitter and Instagram at RSH underscore E-L-L-E. Hopefully I'll be pub- publishing more articles and things soon. That's all I can say. And yeah, definitely a Blacklist article coming up next month.
0: And hopefully a Blacklist episode. Without me, though. Mm. Spoiler alert. So will be Richard by himself? Will he be accompanied by an exciting guest? Only time will tell! I will certainly
1: be playing the role of Brandon, though. Yes.
0: Do your best Brandon impression. Do Brandon as... Dave Mustaine, go. ah.
1: (laughs) I still don't have it. (laughs) It's a particular position in my throat. You
0: know? Huge thank you to Mr. Richard S.E. for coming back on Metallic Acid. It is always great fun when Richard comes on. We always have a great in-depth conversation about whatever topic we're discussing. And mixed in with a bunch of nonsense, usually revolving around Megadeth, Lulu, and Sane Anger. Speaking of Sane Anger, as I've mentioned in this episode, Richard S.E. is the biggest fan of that album that I know And he wrote a whole 7,500-word essay in defense of that album for RedBull.com. Check out the link in the episode description if you've not yet read that article. I highly recommend it, no matter your opinion of the album. If you're a Metallica nerd, which I'm sure you are if you are listening to this podcast, check out the article. Make sure you check out the links in the the episode description. There we go. Got the words out, finally. uh, To give him a follow on social media as well. If you're not yet following me on socials, check out and follow at Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd be so kind, if you're a new listener to the podcast, subscribe, download, leave a positive five-star review in Apple Podcasts. All that goes a long way in helping this podcast continue to grow on my quest for world domination. And if you are a new listener, welcome to Metallicast Monatia. One final shout-out before we wrap up here. Hector Castro, the man behind my favorite one-man band, Bison out of the UK. Check out the links in the episode description and give Bison your support. He has kindly provided all the music you hear in this episode, the original arrangements and music, uh, including the epic creeping death intro that I love so much. I am hoping to be here next week. My wife is about to give birth sometime in the next few weeks. And uh, if I'm not here, it's because she gave birth, and we have a baby. If I am here, she's not yet gone into labor and given birth. Once she does give birth, I'm taking a little bit of a break, but I will be releasing new content, one or two new episodes a month, called Metallicast, My Friends of Misery, featuring guests, some of which have been on the show, some of which have never been on the show. So I'm looking forward to releasing those episodes and providing new content for all of you until I make my triumphant epic return, a few months down the road so hopefully i will be here next week until next time ladies and gentlemen middle up your ass yeah.